Hey everyone, welcome to Healthy Mind, Happy Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Engler. I believe that we can all move through life transitions without losing who we are, but it takes the right support, community, and connection to carry us through. We can heal through sharing experience, strength, and hope. Each week, we will have genuine and real conversations that will inspire you to shift your mindset to live a happier, free life. Hey, hey, this week I am talking with the amazing Malia and Manda, also known as the Sisters That Stray. They are on a mission to help women rise up, reclaim their power and their right to pleasure. We are talking all about attachment styles on on the episode today, but more specifically about anxious attachment. I have a friend who has attended their retreats and she could not say enough good things about it. I highly recommend checking out their retreats. They have them all over the place, including Costa Rica. And give yourself that gift this year. You you deserve it. And if you are wanting to tap into your inner power and break relationship patterns and just wanting that freedom, then I highly recommend connecting with Malia and Manda on one of their retreats or one of their programs. And I will put all their information in the show notes below. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Um, All right. Well, hello, ladies. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to hear all about attachment styles, but more specifically, anxious attachment style. Before we get into all that juicy content, why don't you just share a little bit about what you ladies do and who you are? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. We are really excited to be here. We are the founders of Sisters That Stray. I'm Malia. This is Amanda. I'm Amanda. <laughs> and yeah, Sisters That Stray is um, a global movement and community uh, where we really support women in breaking free from mm, conditioning and the good girl role and really support them in becoming their fullest expression, whatever that might mean for them and really creating a life led by pleasure rather than pressure. And uh, one of the things we're really excited about right now is our group mentorship program. Um, We've been running this for a few years. It's called Radiant Relationship Academy. And this is where we specifically support women in their intimate relationships so overcoming their patterns and being able to attract and and sustain a really healthy passionate relationship and so I think this topic of attachment style is really interesting because it's really where our patterns um, are rooted from and come from and once we understand the attachment styles then we can really understand how to support ourselves and have healthier relationships so yeah a little bit about us we are based in Pensacola Florida we've um traveled all over the world and held retreats in Costa Rica and Bali, um, also in the States and Denver here in Pensacola. Um, And it's an honor to do the work we do. We love being in person with our community and we also love the online work we get to do, which is, you know, how we met you. So, yeah. 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 It's so cool. You know, I, I go back and forth with social media I have a love hate relationship with it, as I'm sure a lot of us do. But the the good part about it is that I have made some really good connections and some new relationships along the way as my business has evolved. And it sounds like you guys have experienced the same thing. And so it's really cool to meet people from all around the world and within the states, you know, because we we often, you know, get trapped in our little world in our little town. And so it's really cool to expand outside of that. I am wondering, how did you ladies come, how did you form your business? So how did you create Sisters That Stray? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we are real sisters. (laughs) Um, Sometimes people like maybe think that we're just best friends (laughs) or business partners. But yeah, we're we're real sisters. And um, yeah, I think it started for us when we were living in Denver, Colorado together, and we were both really at the time pursuing our own separate things, our own separate careers. And we went on a spontaneous trip to Costa Rica 
and it basically changed the trajectory of our lives you know we like we're really opened up to how there's just a different way of of living and being in the world where it doesn't involve um, attaching your worth to your career or how accomplished or productive you are um, where you can live a slower life a slower lifestyle and so we were just so drawn into that we were like we need this this is what we've been needing so we really just followed you know what ultimately looking back now we see it was our intuition right it didn't make sense to anybody else but our intuition was telling us like go to Costa Rica and so we sold all, all of our stuff in Denver um literally like tossed our mattress <laughs> the day that we left and just like <laughs> all we had were our backpacks and um yeah hopped on a on a plane to Costa Rica and had no plans really like didn't have um you know really anything lined up except just um yeah just trust and knowing that this was where our path was leading us and from there you know we just continued to follow our curiosity to follow where our intuition was leading us and um you know ultimately we started learning um a lot i think that was really what's what led us here was like just being so devoted to learning and being students and um you know absorbing what was really lighting us up at the time which had to do with health and wellness and um you know it started with like physical health and then as you know like once you kind of peel back that layer it's like this rabbit hole that you can just keep going and going and going oh, into yeah. and you know eventually that led us deeper into you know emotional health and spiritual health and it led us to Bali, you know, where we started learning from teachers out in Bali and ultimately leading all the way back home here in Pensacola, Florida, when we felt again, our intuition telling us that we needed to put down some roots and start building a community. Um, and that's really what has always been at the heart of Sisters That Stray is community. And, um, you know, I think that Lee and I were very blessed to have each other growing up. And so something that we've felt really passionate about is like helping other women find that connection with other women, right? Like having a sisterhood, having a community of women that they can lean on and be inspired by and grow and heal together. So that's really what has been, um, yeah, at the heart of Sisters That Stray is building that community, that global sisterhood. Wow. I did not know your story. And that is so magical. I love it. I've not, I haven't had an experience exactly like that, but I have been, I have traveled and I have noticed over the times that I've traveled when I plan everything out, I'm always like anxious before I go. And then when I get there, I'm really anxious and I have all this pressure and now I'm in this situation where I'm like, I don't want to do the thing, but I already signed up to do the thing. <laughs> and so what I started doing over the years is, and it wasn't really intentional, um, but I'd go on a trip and life was so stressful that I didn't have time to plan mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And those are the best trips. Like I got the most out of them because they were spontaneous. They were just living in the moment. Let's fly by the seat of our pants and, and see where this goes, like what you were explaining. And there's just something so magical in that when we can listen to our intuition and to tap into that. And the other piece that I find extremely important is this, this community aspect of things because, and I'm sure you see this, with the amount of women that you work with, but I know a lot of women that come into my office are missing that they're missing. They're, they're trying to reach this. I use the pyramid of um, Maslow's pyramid of hierarchy of needs. And they're trying to reach like the top of the pyramid, which is self-actualization. And mm -hmm. they're trying to like grow as an individual, but they're missing the most important piece, which is right in the middle, right. Mm -hmm. Is connection. Yeah. to other people. They don't have these close friendships. They don't have deep connection to their spouse, to other women, to people in their community. And so they're very lonely. Mm -hmm. And you it's I tell them it's it's hard to grow. You can't grow as a person if you don't have that connection right. to yeah. other people. 
Totally agree. Yeah, that's something that we learned um, in Bali when we led our first retreat out there. That was like the big like takeaway breakthrough that we saw was like, yeah, it's it's in community that we heal. So that's, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And it's, yeah, unfortunately, it's hard these days, I think, for women to make friends with other women or to feel supported by other women and seen and um, to be in a space with other women where there's no like competition or jealousy happening, right? So yeah, totally, totally agree with that. It's it's really important to find your community where, um, yeah, where like healing can happen together. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you hear this, but the the biggest thing I hear is, well, I I'm just I'm just can't be friends with other women, mm-hmm. right? Women yeah. are catty. Women are this. Women are that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is environment and experiences. Yeah. And so I just love the the name of your business, right? It's uh, sisters who stray, but women who stray, right? Because we often get put into this box or think we need to fit into this box as women and look a certain way, put on this persona and this um, perception to the, or image to the world. And so we box ourselves in, right? Mm-hmm. We limit ourselves from what we are actually capable of doing and the connections that we can make. And so it sounds like the retreats in the space that you hold, it's this container for women to express themselves the way that they've been wanting to, but not sure how they haven't known how to do that. Yeah. They haven't had the space to do that. And now it feels like a safer space to, oh, connect with these other women in the group, you know, because in retreats, it's a group of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We we recently had a conversation about this. I think it was on the podcast, actually, um, about the power of female friendships. Mm-hmm. And we hear this very often as well as like, I just don't connect with other women. I don't have that community in my town. Like there's all these kind of like maybe beliefs or in the, they're valid because they're probably built on your, your current past to current experience, you know, and it's, it is challenging. Like, I'm not going to lie. It is challenging to connect with the right women, the right community and to be vulnerable, like to actually allow yourself to be seen, to actually open up emotionally. It's like our um, uh, friendships are very similar to how we kind of show up and interact in our romantic relationships, right? So we might have wounds or like fears or all these kind of different, um, this armor we put on, these masks that we wear. And so to shed that, it's it can be scary, it can be vulnerable, um, but it is very, very possible. And it's so healing to have that type of really um, a healthy female friendship, you know, sisterhood community. We always say this when we hold women's circles or workshops or anything in person, we always address that just sitting here in a group of women can feel like a lot. Like, yeah. let's just talk about that. You know, it's, it's absolutely normal. If you feel uncomfortable just being here, like that's normal, right? Because we often look around the circle and we might compare ourselves or someone else shares and we're like, oh, my share wasn't as uh inspirational right (laughs) and it's like what if we just throw all that out the window we address that yes this is a little uncomfortable and it's going to get better by the end of this you'll probably be in a puddle hugging and like crying together right so is what is always that what (laughs) happens at the end of a retreat yes (laughs) yeah always (laughs) yes (laughs) you walk in with fear but you leave with so much freedom yeah Mm. absolutely exactly yeah exactly So in talking about relationships, how does this role of attachment styles impact relationships, whether that's romantic or friendships? Yeah. Yeah. So attachment styles are are developed as early as childhood, and they play a really major role in the way we behave in relationships. So the attachment theory basically states that our relationship with our caregiver, that might be a parent or some sort of caregiver, the closest caregiver to you as a child, sets the stage for how you build and behave and interact in relationships as an adult. So this just begins to give you insight and clarity on your 
how you experience relationships as an adult. It's so interesting. I talked to so many women um, running Radiant Relationship Academy about their relationships, you know, and a lot of women are like, what the, I don't know if I can curse here, but what the F is going on? for it. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, (laughs) yeah, it's confusing. You know, a lot of women have different areas of their life figured out, their career, you know, and, and the romantic relationships and sometimes friendships too, is like, what's going on? We find ourselves in this like cycle. We might be repeating patterns in all of our relationships, even if it's different people. We find ourselves in this like same situation, right? Maybe when we start to open up, the person becomes distant or we're constantly feeling like we're wanting and doing so much more in the relationship than the other person isn't, right? These, these certain patterns or we attract people, um, partners who might be emotionally available, okay. unavailable, um, all different kinds of patterns, right? And so the attachment styles really start to give us clarity on like, what's going on here? <laughs> And, and we start to see that we have more uh, power over this than we might think, you know, with an attachment style, we're not just stuck there. And I'm really careful to not so much um, label women or myself or my clients, like you're anxiously attached, good luck, you know, (laughs) we really more so work towards understanding what are the behaviors or the patterns that fall under the anxious attached or the avoidant attached that you might be experiencing. Okay, great. So we can build self-awareness around that. Why do you think that might be happening? We can reflect childhood and learn how to support our inner child. And then we can learn how to support ourselves to become more securely attached, which is really the goal. And it's really a journey, right? Mm -hmm. I say it's the goal, but I'm careful to say that because you're not incomplete or not good enough if you do have tendencies of an anxious attachment style, right? It's okay. We can be compassionate with ourselves and we can learn that, you know, this developed in childhood, you were a child, right? Like have some compassion for yourself. And it's really also not about blaming our parents or our caregivers. They were doing the best they could. They probably have their own attachment style to work on, (laughs) right? But it's just, it can be freeing. It can be liberating to see yourself in this way because you're like, okay, great. This is why this pattern is here. And then this is what it would look like to overcome this pattern or to move into more of a secure way of relating. Mm -hmm. And I like that you touched on that awareness piece without having to blame. And sometimes that is a part of the process. We do go through when you're doing inner child work or reflecting on childhood, there there's a lot of emotion that comes from that. And so there, there is, I notice with people um, and myself included, when I've worked through things, this, this section of it, uh, when we do feel angry or we do feel blameful towards our parents or our caregivers, whoever raised us or the relationships that we have. But I like that you mentioned the differentiation between those right? That our parents, our caregivers did the best they could with what tools they had, with what environments we were in, with what they knew at the time. Um, And uh, like seeing them as a human being too, right? So in, in creating this awareness, like around, okay, this happened, but not bl- living in that blame or victimhood of that and yeah. creating that understanding around that. And the other piece that I, I think you mentioned earlier is this unlayering, right? And there's always, even when we think we've reached the quote goal, right? That's the destination to become in that secure attachment. It's still, there's still going to be more unlayering. There's always more that we're continuing to learn about ourselves and continuing to grow into. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, I really see it as this kind of spiral, this, this healing journey. And I always offer this to my clients because we work on the repeating patterns, right? And it can be really frustrating when, because step one is just becoming more aware of the pattern, but now you're more aware of the pattern. So you're actually seeing yourself in the pattern. And so there can be this impulse to be like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm aware of it. Why am I doing it? 
Yeah. Why can't I change it? Yeah. And so we might feel like we're going backwards, Mm -hmm. but that's actually not what's happening. We're actually going deeper, deeper into the pattern, deeper into ourself, deeper into our healing, deeper into our becoming. Right. And so if we can kind of see it as the spiral, that's just taking us deeper and deeper. And yeah, in the spiral, we might come back around to the same pattern and be like, whoa, but we'll see it differently because we have deeper awareness. So there really isn't going backwards. It's just going deeper. And if we can hold that compassion towards ourselves, that alone is the most healing act we can we can offer ourselves. Yeah, and I really like that word. I've been using that word a lot with people, and it's come up frequently um, lately. And I I just love that word, compassion and grace. Right, giving yourself that compassion and grace through the process, and it's just being gentle with yourself. It's not. It's people are like, well, what does that mean? Right. And I know, and I, I'd like to hear um, your answer on this, but to, to me, it just means not beating yourself up, right. Not allowing yourself to go into a negative spiral when you feel frustrated. It's about just allowing yourself to be where you're at, letting yourself experience those emotions and take whatever you need that day. Yeah. But I'm curious, like what, would you say like, how can people give themselves that compassion as they work through a lot of this inner child stuff? Mm. I love that. Do you want to? Yeah, I think, um, I think that like the simplest way that you can explain it to somebody is, you know, I mean, just like sitting in the, in the energy of the two, um, the two the two poles, right, of like uh, self-shame, self-judgment, and then self-compassion and and grace. I love that word too. And so like, yeah, when you're sitting in the one of like judgment and shame, I mean, like, how does that feel in your body, right? It feels like, I mean, when I start to feel into it, my body tenses and I almost feel like, you know, my shoulders kind of come in, like cave in and it's like, Um, tightness and for me it's hard to really move like I mean move towards like something that feels more supportive or to grow or like to even begin to heal from that place right because everything feels like tight and and tense and then when you try to feel into like well what does it feel like what is compassion even just like saying that word like the energy of it how does that feel in your body And then, you know, I notice my shoulders start to relax. I start to like soften. And from that place, I feel like I have more um, access to moving towards what does feel more supportive to me, right? So um, I think this is something that's really important for us as adults. It's like part of this reparenting, you know, because if you think about like, um, again, going back to when you were a child, like, shame and judgment like that's not very supportive to to what you're needing in that moment but compassion can help you feel yeah more validated and so it's like this practice of of self-validation right of being like ah here I am in this pattern instead of being like like you were saying you know like beating yourself up and being like what's wrong with me like why are you doing this why are you acting like that why do you keep making the same mistake instead it's like oh like here we are again this is hard and and that's okay. Like, I understand that this is hard for me. And I understand that like, I learned this because of, you know, how I grew up or um, my past experiences and, and I can be with myself and, and I can see that I'm, you know, here again in this pattern, but I'm able to like recognize it. And now I have access to like better choices. I have access, more access to my power in this moment. So I have, yeah, closer access to better choices now. Yeah. Thank you for covering that because these tools are really important when we are navigating any type of change, whether that's inner child work or navigating just a big change or transition in our life, this compassion and grace are crucial to navigating that. So you don't get lost Mm -hmm. in it. Or you don't get sucked into all of the emotion around that. And I know today we did want to spend some time talking about more specifically the anxious attachment style. So 
whoever wants to take the lead on that, I would love to hear more about that, that style. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think this one is so interesting to speak about and really build our awareness around um, because it's so common. Mm -hmm. I see this so often in women that I work with and yeah, if we can really understand what's playing out here, again, we just have more power of around our patterns and how we're interacting. And so anxious attached, um, I think it's interesting how it might start in childhood. And I think that might be a helpful piece to those listening who might identify with this. And so with the anxious attachment style, you might have grown up in an environment where the caregiver, so the parent, the parent role, was inconsistent in meeting your needs. So this could play out in so many different ways, right? So maybe the parent or the caregiver just misread the child's signals or, or needs. Maybe they're just misattuned. Um, perhaps they were unsure of what the best parenting style was, you know, so sometimes they were really affectionate and really reassuring. And other times they were distant or let the child just completely self-soothe on their own. Maybe one parent was present, the other wasn't. Maybe a parent left at a young age, right? So um, really the child ends up being confused about what to expect in terms of their caregiver, in terms of the love they're receiving and why they're receiving it and when they're gonna receive it. So they learn to self-soothe in these more extreme ways like a tantrum or um, being really, really needy or just kind of impossible to, to, to uh, soothe because they learned if I'm, that'll get me close to my caregiver. That will give me the comfort. My caregiver equals this emotion going away. The caregiver is going to fix this. So as an adult, you know, how you might experience the anxious attached in, in relationships specifically could be um, really this constant need or desire for closeness. Closeness with the other person equals safety. Um, and really what I see so often is this constant thinking um, about their partner. What is their partner doing? What is their partner needing? What is their partner thinking? Where is their partner? Always, 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 always. What's going on in the relationship? What did they think of me when I did that? Always thinking, 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 thinking. Really worrying, stressing about the relationship. And kind of like um, looking for these problems that aren't really even problems. But it's just because they're constantly anxious about the relationship. Constantly thinking about it. And they really re require a lot of reassurance. A lot of affection. A lot of validation. And that reassurance and that validation is coming from outside of them. It's not coming from inside of them. So they're counting on this person to be that source of validation, of reassurance. Without it, they're anxious because they don't have it. They don't have that kind of inner source of I'm enough, I'm good enough, I'm calm, I'm safe, I'm grounded. So there's a really strong sense of or fear of abandonment because if that person leaves, all of my safety, all of my love, all of my security leaves, right? And this fear of rejection as well. Those things can cause someone who has tendencies of an anxious attachment style to hold back when it comes to communicating their needs, when it comes to um, really communicating their truth, right? Because it's like, if I communicate this, the other person might not like it and they might leave, right? So, um, what else? Amanda had an anxious attachment. <laughs> Maybe you can share how you're doing. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm just sitting here listening and, um, you know, we've, we talk about this a lot and it is something that I think is, is quite common these days, especially because anxiety is such a common experience in us. Like, you know, especially just like with the constant, like overstimulation and, and like stress and all these factors right that are just like kind of part of modern society now I think we as humans like experience a lot more anxiety and so 
yeah, I mean, that can kind of spark this like anxious attachment, right? Especially if you have this childhood that Leah described, right? So yeah, for me, I definitely experienced that a lot in, in my yeah, first few relationships as an adult. And yeah, it is very much like what, how I kind of um, relate it to is, is codependency, right? Like so this to me feels a lot like my experience of codependency, which is like, you're constantly think you're constantly worried about the other person because like you're sourcing so much of what you need from that person right so it's like if they're okay then I'm okay if I can make sure that like they feel good and they're not going anywhere and they're happy with me they're not mad at me then like I can feel I'll feel okay right so it's almost like you start to it can be manipulative, you know? And it's like, when I learned that, I was like, whoa, you know? Cause I was like, I never thought of myself as a manip manipulative person, but in a way it is a lot of like control, right? You're trying to control everything so that you can feel safe, right? Cause if you, if you feel like your partner isn't going anywhere and they're, they're good and safe and happy, then so am I. And yeah, and that, ultimately like that just creates more anxiety. <laughs> creates more stress, right? When we're trying to control everything. So yeah, it's very much like, you know, for me, a lot of my um, like worthiness was attached to that person as well. And so, yeah, that leaves you feeling like you, yeah, you need, it's like a needy kind of clingy kind of energy as well. Like you're needing them mm -hmm. to validate you to, so that you can feel, yeah, worthy of, of love of affection and attention and care so yeah it's it's a it's a really uncomfortable place to be right like because it's it is like that's why it's called anxiously attached because there's a lot of anxiety in that experience um so yeah that's that's how that's how i would i would describe it and i think it's this is helpful for people to like hear this description of anxiously attached like and I think it helps people understand more so what codependency is because I think more people are codependent than they realize because they think like, oh, that means like I'm depending on somebody else and I'm super independent. Like, I don't, I don't do that, you know, but codependency is much more of like um, an emotional codependency than it is like an external codependency if that makes sense like it's like you're emotionally dependent on this person like so you're almost like feeding off of their emotions and feeding off of their energy to make sure that like you know you can feel okay so well, the problem yeah. is when you rely on somebody else to fuel your worthiness in mm -hmm. your and to feel secure with yourself when you don't receive that or they're unable to give that to you, you completely become unraveled and spiral, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I and so I actually am wondering, how does this play out in relationships when one person is anxiously attached and the other is emotionally unavailable? Mm -hmm. Right, classic. Well, classic, right? Classic. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of spirals. Yeah, and it's, spirals. Yeah. Well, I think it. I think it naturally pushes people away. Mm. Um, but what's interesting is when we look towards biology, we see that there's always a chaser mm. and a distancer. And so, in attachment theory, there's anxious attached and avoidant attached, which are basically opposite, which attract. And so. <laughs> The anxious and the avoidant find themselves in relationship quite often. And what I find even more interesting about this is you can switch one relationship. You're the anxious and there's avoidant. The next you could be avoidant and the other is anxious. Super fascinating. And that's why I think, again, it's important to not identify I'm anxiously attached. It's more nuanced than that. Our nervous system is more complex than that. Biology is more complex than that. So to be aware of the qualities I think is just really important so to circle back to your question yeah so if you're anxiously attached it is really common to attract someone who is emotionally unavailable those are probably the similar tendencies to avoid and attached right so 
on both, you know, if both partners are willing to look at their patterns and move towards a more um, healthy way of relating, then there's a lot of opportunity there, right? But otherwise, we're really just going to trigger each other and, and um, essentially repel each other. The anxious is like, I need closeness, 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 closeness. The avoidant or the emotionally unavailable is, whoa, 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 I need distance, 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 distance. This is too much. They feel that intimacy is dangerous. That's their fear. So again, you know, if there's a self-awareness there and they're getting the proper support, they have the tools, then they can have a really happy, healthy relationship. You know, if they really learn each other's patterns and um, attachment styles, then they can learn how to not only support themselves, but also support each other and, you know, eventually move into a really healthy dynamic. I have also seen, you know, when an anxious attached is, or someone with, you know, tendencies of an anxious attachment style is in relationship with a, someone with a secure attachment style, that can be really healing as well, because you're being exposed to all these kind of um, healthy ways of adapting and being with emotions. Um, so that can work out really well. And sometimes it doesn't because that's a lot for the person with the secure attachment to, to bear, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, there's, there's so much nuance in this because let's say both people are really willing to work on themselves individually, then great, there's so much opportunity there. And let's say one, one person isn't or they both aren't, then we're just gonna be stuck in kind of a toxic dynamic, right? So, yeah, I was wondering what is the toll that that takes on the partner who, so you have one partner who's anxiously attached and the other who is not, what kind of toll does that take on that person? Yeah. I, and I, so that's interesting, right? Cause like, I feel like I have also been in a relationship where I was the more secure and the other person was anxiously mm -hmm. attached. And yeah, it's like, it sucks. It's like, <laughs> It, um, it is a lot to bear. It's and a lot of pressure to put on someone mm -hmm. to be their soul, like to be right. their source of validation. Right. Um, you know, I can even think of friendships I have in my life that have qualities such as this and, you know, to be that source for them of like, yeah, you are enough. No, no, you're okay. Like, no, everything's okay. Oh, that thing. Okay. 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 Like having to talk them through the things and to be that for them you know it's like again they're just kind of lacking that like core within themselves to be that own source for themselves because so in my experience it's a lot of pressure to hold it is. and it, it can yeah cause resentment a lot of resentment um yeah yeah and you know there's I can have a lot of compassion for someone like that right mm -hmm. so I think it just depends on the individuals in the relationship, you know, it's like, is someone with a healthy, um, you know, tools and like a healthy way of relating can be like, this is a boundary. No, I can't be that for you. You need to be that for yourself. This is a boundary. But if I don't have that, then I'm like, do I need to run away? Like, this is too much. Or I push it back on them and I blame them. And again, that's more of the toxic dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think I think it goes to show that like you don't have to have it all figured out you don't have to be completely healed before coming into relationship right because like these these woundings or these attachment styles or behaviors or patterns are formed in relationship so I think like coming into relationship to heal them of course, that requires two people being willing to do that together. I think that can be, yeah, like a really healing experience. And sometimes we hold ourselves back from getting into relationship because we think like, oh no, you know, I have this anxious attachment. And so I need to fix that before I come into a healthy relationship. And really, I mean, I've experienced a lot of healing in a healthy dynamic, right? Like, you know, it's sometimes like my still you know I'm in a healthy relationship now but sometimes still like maybe that anxious attachment style kind of comes up and I like am able to remind myself like no I'm in a really healthy secure relationship and and I find that like being in that dynamic now helps me to to heal those parts of myself so you know it's like 
yeah, we get just like circling back all the way to like healing and community. You know, I think the same thing happens like in a, in a one-on-one dynamic in a relationship dynamic that can occur as well. Well, the biggest and most important thing you said is that both partners have to be willing. Yeah. Right. right? And I, I agree with everything you just said. I would say my relationship, I've been with my husband about 10 years and it obviously didn't start off the way that it is now, but we both have been willing to grow through a lot of hardships and maybe not right when something was going on, but we figured our way through it and we were both willing to put in the work and respect the other person as well through that process. And I feel like that is the thing that carried us through right? Learning to respect my partner's needs and what they're communicating to me, even though I want something different or I envision it being a different way or have different expectations, really, really trying to restrain that and voice what I need, but also take into consideration what they need and find that compromise in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I've also been in friendships where that person, I mean, I've referred to it as a taker, but I, I see it from a different lens now where it's, I'm, I'm giving all this or I'm setting certain boundaries and the, that person just needs so much more than I can give. And it's, it, it taxes, I know it taxed me. It exhausted me. I burned out. And eventually the friendship just ended because it, it, it just can't continue like that. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you said about find meeting each other's needs, but also being kind of flexible in that. You know, I see it as um an investment into the relationship. You know, when sometimes it's this very like we have to learn how to decipher, am I betraying myself by giving this up or bending a little bit on this need, or am I flexible here? One mm-hmm. of my my relationship coach has taught uh, myself and my fiance this term of what are you flexible on and what are you inflexible on? And then if we're both flexible, then it's like, cool, we can kind of like see what we can do here, you know, <laughs> but then we're firm on like, we're inflexible here. Right. So then we're like, have the space. We can like see what we can do with the flexible parts. And then if we can find like a common ground, yes, I was flexible, but this is an investment into the relationship. Right. And I like that term rather than compromise or like sacrifice. It just feels like more nourishing to me. Like I'm investing into the relationship and it's like, I see a healthy relationship kind of as this circuit It's really um, balanced giving and taking and giving and taking, giving and receiving. Um, and, and again, both partners, you know, really have to be willing to play that game, to do that dance together. And that comes from the ability to identify what it is we need, right? So someone who has the anxious attachment style tendencies, they might be totally oblivious or maybe really in the victim space. And they're just like, why is this happening to me? Why do I attract these partners? Why is this so hard for me? Versus someone who's like, huh, all right. So I've got this going on. This is challenging. And I'm going to learn how to um, support myself. I'm going to learn the tools to regulate my emotions. I'm going to check in with myself to see what it is I need so that I can communicate that to my partner. And I'm going to see how they respond. I'm not going to control their response, right? So, you know, someone who's willing to be self-responsible and learn a new way of being. So I like that you said on being able to still speak your truth and be who you are but have that flexibility because that is such an important thing that I see in relationships is sometimes people feel like they're sacrificing themselves, right? Or they're modifying who they are to meet that other person's needs. And that's not what it's about. It is about staying true to who you are, but flexing. And I like that word as well, being flexible. So what are some steps that someone could take towards moving into this more secure attachment space yeah yeah um first I would say be really gentle with yourself 
um, compassionate grace um, because if we it's important to understand the attachment styles because basically what's happening here is you know this thing you rely on for groundedness safety stability you're learning to not rely on them and so it's kind of like this thing is going to leave and like am I going to be okay so it's like re-regulating your whole system and that can feel like a threat to the system. And so we wanna do this with a lot of compassion for ourselves, with proper support, the proper tools. Otherwise it can be re-traumatizing or just um, really a lot of unsafety can happen, right? So proper support, proper tools, be really gentle with yourself. And I think the, the biggest thing to start with is to really learn how to process your emotions in a really healthy way. We um, love somatic work, we love embodiment work. And so learning to process emotions through the body can be so relieving because emotions are energy. They're held in the body, they're experienced in the body. So deeper than mindset work, deeper than the affirmations, it's actually learning to process that anxiety through the body. Learning to regulate your emotions um is the is groundwork like absolutely essential this is essential for every human mm-hmm. it <laughs> we is. should all learn this <laughs> um, and that's i mean this is essential for having a healthy relationship mm. and this is hard this is this is the, where i start in my mentorship program radiant relationship academy and i mean this it's incredible how we're not taught this you know, like we should be taught this in school, like, come on, what's happening here? This is not right. So start there. Um, and then from there, really learning, um, beginning to practice feeling safe, um, trusting yourself, even when there's space. So getting comfortable with space from maybe it's your friend, maybe it's your partner, whatever it might be. Um, can you be comfortable in the space? Can you be comfortable being by yourself? Can you be comfortable relying on yourself? A lot of this has to do with self-worth. So um, the way I teach self-worth is there's three pillars. There's self-validation, which Amanda spoke about earlier. There's self-regulation, which just spoke about about your emotions. And then there's self-trust, the ability to trust yourself and your body signals. And so developing those three practices, those three skills to start to deepen your self-worth so that your worth isn't dependent on someone else, whether you're getting reassurance, whether someone likes you, your self-worth is um, this, the really unwavering pillar that you've built that comes from within you. So you start to find that safety, that security, that reassurance, that validation from within you. Hmm. I would add, um, what helped me the most in the beginning was getting okay with being uncomfortable because that's usually where like from that place of feeling like discomfort of like where are they why aren't they replying to me are they okay are they mad at me what's going on like are they happy in the relationship who are they talking to like all you know that place of like you know feeling that discomfort and that anxiety is then usually um, where you might either start to like spiral internally or you might start doing things like, you know, taking action on that anxiety and acting in a way you don't really want to act, right? So instead, like, can you just be okay with being uncomfortable? Can you be okay with, you know, like for me, I had to learn, like Leah was saying, like being okay with the space or like, checking in with yourself before feeling like you need to um, check in and like fix somebody else. Like that's how I was, I was always operating was like, anytime I felt uncomfortable, I wanted to fix it. And instead of like going to fix it, I was like, can I just be okay with being like, this is uncomfortable. Can I just be okay with that? Mm. And from there, I really was able to like move forward into these other steps that Leah described. So that would be like, from my experience, the the first step to start practicing being okay with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Thank you both so much for sharing that. And I agree with both of you that that's a good place to start. It's still intense. It's still intense. 
but it's a good foundational place to start. It's a good pillar um, to have before you start moving into more work. So thank you both for sharing that. If people are wanting to step into this work or they want to find you or go on one of your retreats, how can they get in touch? Yes. Um, Instagram is a great way to find us and connect with us at sisters that Shrey. Um, on my personal Instagram, it's at Malia underscore Manning. I talk a lot about relationships. <laughs> um, I, I love talking about dating tips and ways to deepen your relationship and um, all the info for Radiant Relationship Academy can be found on either Instagram, um, also our website, sistersthatstray.com. Um, you'll see, yeah, information for Radiant Relationship Academy there. Also, any retreats or workshops we have coming up. Um, we'll be here in Pensacola. We'll be in Denver, Colorado this year. Maybe some other places. Um, a potential Costa Rica retreat is in the works. So if you just follow along with our journeys on Instagram, that's the best way to just kind of get a taste of the community and, um, and see where we might be next. Um, yeah, I really love to just kind of connect with women and see what they're experiencing, especially in relationships, because I think it's what I experience in RRA is, you know, we all have these struggles. We don't often talk about it, <laughs> you know, but when we start to open up, it's like, yeah, I struggle with that too. And yeah, I struggle with that too. Mm -hmm. So probably in the next month or so, we'll be open for enrollment for Radiant Relationship Academy again. So yeah, find us on Instagram, send us a message. We'd love to, we'd love to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate both of you sharing your knowledge and your wisdom on this topic. And I just hope everyone listening can dig deep and start doing this work because it's so it's painful but it's so crucial to live a more freeing life mm -hmm. so thank you again thank you caitlin it's yeah. so wonderful to talk to you thanks for having us of course